Here is the Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 81. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. And today we're going to continue the arc of Tier 1 Toon Downs from Toontown with Hapatra, Vizier of Poisons. Now hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? A whole ton is going down. We're back continuing our new arc of taking greasy dirt sandwich decks and turning them into super fun, excellent to play still have friends at the end of the game decks yeah and this one extra greasy i actually like the competitive version and our version of this deck i do too we talked about uh the kfc incident on the last show not going to get into that again oh you know what we can get into Ooh. uh my kid's first birthday forgot to tell you this blue icing on his cake blue poop really yeah two poop stories two weeks in a row Welcome to CCO Nation. <laughs> <laughs> also, happy birthday, Baby Valor. Now, before we do get into the show, we usually have a bit of housekeeping here. I have a thing that I wanted to say. I didn't tell Ryan about this at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell him. I'm going to say it in front of everybody, because this is a thing, because I've been thinking about it for like a week, and it's been bugging me, and I hate it when things are weighing on my mind. And since I have a show, I have an audience, I have all of you guys around, I'm just going to say it here. I, at our last Magic game night, got... Super tilted. Oh, yeah. I got so tilted. And I'm not going to make excuses for it. But this is this thing. Like, I built this deck. I was so excited about it. I played it for two weeks, three games at this point, and I had done jack shit. Like, nothing. Stone Cold, nothing. 85 lands in play, nothing. Three games in a row. That's like 19 days of all of my magic has just been land, go, land, go, <laughs> land, go. <laughs> And I finally go to resolve a threat, countered. Oh, and I got. Oh no! I was off the deep end. I was so mad. Was that me or Smitty that, that countered it? That was Smitty, and then I you did. countered the next one, and then Smitty countered the next one. Well, stop playing such powerful spells. <laughs> then we'll stop countering. Play crappy stuff. And and I just I got so tilted. And I just wanted to be. The worst part about being tilted, and I want to apologize for being so tilted. Ooh. I shouldn't get like that because. I know that I'm good at magic, I know I'm good at building decks, and I shouldn't take it out on my friends. I shouldn't behave like I'm 12 and have never lost a game of magic before, because I've definitely been blown out way worse than that. Oh, bro, I lose magic all the time. Yeah, (laughs) so lesson to everybody in CCO Nation. It happens to everybody. As long as you realize that it's happening and learn from it, you're going to be a better magic player at the end. Ooh, yeah. Now, here's the worst part of this particular tilt, for me at least. I actually ended up winning that game. Oh, you did. And I won it with the sweetest, most Ryan play I've ever made in my life. And I couldn't even really enjoy it because I had behaved like such a piece of shit. You, there were two games that night. I had In this particular game, I had like 400 land in play. And I played... How did that go? Uh... What's that card from Masks? It's an instant for green three. All lands are dudes. Natural affinity. Turned all the lands into dudes with natural affinity. Tapped for two red. I thought you were going to blow out all the lands. I thought you were going to make all lands into creatures and then just go like earthquake for two. Yeah, deal with this now, suckers. That's what I thought you were going to do. And what did I do instead? You sacked every single... You tapped all your dude lands for mana. Then you sacked every single one to Ashnod's altar. And then you said, what life's everybody at? And I was at like 19 and uh, Evan was at like 12 or whatever. And Smitty was like 36. 
And then you were just like, okay, sack all my dudes after I tap them all. Molten disaster for 36. Yeah, exaxies. <laughs> <laughs> exaxies, no lands in play. Yep. I was I blew myself out to get the win and it was like it was so cool. Couldn't even enjoy it. So I took that moment away from myself. Dang. Yeah, and I felt real bad. So I just wanted to address that and share my learning experience. I learned a life lesson, sharing it with everybody. I think after the game too, just to roll it into what we're actually talking about today. Yeah. After that game, we had discussed the the actual playing of the cards in your Lord Windgrace deck. And you went and had a piss because you were drinking some beer. You came back and you said, you know what I think the problem is? I think I'm trying to get too much out of any one card. I think that the problem is me. You said you expect to play a card and have it just have a huge big effect and that's that feels good. Yeah. Where in fact when Windgrace in particular says or how you use him is plus one, discard a land card, because that's what you always discard, draw two cards, right? And you're discarding a card that you have to find some way to get value from in the future, and then you're probably going to draw a land card, because you're running 40-some land, and another card that is going to help you gain additional advantage, maybe from your graveyard. It's a really roundabout, small, and incremental way to eke out some advantage, and that's what the deck does, and that is how you play the long game. And you're not used to doing that. No. Even with all my like learning and stuff from playing the, my stacks deck and stuff, which we're going to talk there, about. There's the mention. There's the mention. I still am not to that long game mindset, especially when I'm playing like Jund kill you with a giant guy. Yeah, you're playing Jund kill you with what what you want to do is cast Omnath because that's what your comfort space is, right? Your Windgrace deck, like the deck today, forces you to come up with a plan, recognize what kind of advantage you can gain over the table based on the cards in your deck, and then plan on working that portion of the game or that kind of strategy until you can get enough advantage that you've pulled ahead of everybody else, right? Yeah. Without getting blown out by sweepers, by overextending with mana dorks, without having too many artifacts in play and getting blown out by a Vandal Blast, you know, that kind of stuff. Without overextending everything to get blown out by a Rift, right? (laughs) If you can make a plan and just eke out that small bit of advantage enough to make the Rift or the Vandal Blast pretty, pretty dead or pretty useless against your own board state, you're keeping it in people's hands. You're effectively making them discard a card if they don't have a profitable way to play these cards, right? And that's what the Windgrace deck kind of needs to do. That's what this Hapatra deck kind of needs to do. And that's what a deck I'm working on needs to do. I'm playing Eryxmethy's The Slumbering Tide. Oh, that's the green, blue, is a land when he comes into play. Tapped. Yes. <laughs> You've been playing him for a couple of weeks, but <laughs> yeah, he comes into play untapped. Oh, I'm so terrible. <laughs> he forces you to plan. He forces you to sequence your cards correctly so you can remove the counters from him. And he forces you to really pay attention to where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. In... Eryxmethy's case, tempo advantage for your buck, right? I want to spend a, a, a two mana spell to take care of your three, four, five mana spell, right? That's why something like uh, Boomerang 
is potentially good because I'm spending two to bounce any permanent that you probably paid, well, more than two for. That was happening in uh, the second game that we were playing last week, mm -hmm. uh, Wind Grace against Rick Smithies again with some other stuff thrown in, and you rifted. At the end of the, I think it was right before the game ended, you had done the cyclonic rift and you kicked and you blew everything back to everybody's hand and everybody was effed. Except for Brando, because Brando had, I think it was 24 land at you the time. You had so many land And that... I could play my whole hand again. Exactly. And I think I actually ended up, I think I actually ended up winning the game that turn. I believe you did. Because it was Wind Grace, Avenger of Zendikar, Mad Rush Cyclops. Land, 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 win. Yeah. Dang. So you made all your dudes, all your plant tokens, that you had like 14 of them. You made them all big because you had three land drops. Then you do Mad Rush Cyclops, because you still had mana left over, to give them all haste. And then you just swung at everybody. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a terrific time. But yeah, like it's learning when you can get the advantage by playing something that costs significantly less than what your opponent's playing. And with this deck and my Eryxmethy's deck, sticking to the plan. Barring any other in-game situations changing, of course. Blood Moon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blood Moon on Eryxmethy's is terrible. Um but sticking to a plan, that is actually part of the article I'm writing for CommanderCookout.com. Ooh, yeah. good tease. Yeah. Hey, uh, social media coordinates in 30 seconds or less. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. We're CommanderCookoutPodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send us love mail, hate, hate mail, social suggestions, no nudes. Nudes. We're also Commander Cookout on iTunes, Google Play, Google Machine, Facebook, YouTube, Patreon, EDHREC.com, FlipsideGaming.com, where you can use CCO promo code FU to get 10% off store-wide, and MTGOnslaught.com, where you can also use CCO promo code CCOFU to get 15% off your entire order store-wide. And if you want to follow us on Twitter and tappedout.net, CCO Podcast is the coordinate there. Speaking of MTGOnslaught.com, latest giveaway. Yes. We are giving away, as we tend to do, a... Sweet prize pack. I think there's a t-shirt and a playmat bag and a bunch of counters that you can use to impress your friends and totally pimp out your game outside the game. Yeah, all metal dice and metal tokens. Hey, you know what I just thought of? If either of us build this Hapatra deck, I can use or you can use some of the minus one, minus one counters Ooh. that come in the prize pack. So cool. We don't have the prize pack. We were given like a pre-prize pack. So that we could kind of check out everything so that we know we're not giving you guys crap. And it's not crap. It's very cool. Yeah. So go to commandercookout.com, giveaways page, or our Facebook page. All of the giveaway details are outlined there. A share, a like, a follow, a tag your friend, a retweet, whatever it is, gets you some form of entries. In all of those ways, will potentially get you sweet stuff. Yes. Extra special bonus credit if you follow us on Podomatic Ooh. and continue our dominance of the Games and Hobbies category. Yeah. I need a new, instead of F the ninnies, F everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm going with that. Yeah, that's right. King of the world. So, Hapatra. Hapatra. Should we do a list? I guess so. Let's start with Hapatra. We usually do that, hey? Give her a read. So she is Hapatra, Vizier of Poisons. She is a human cleric for black-green. She's a 2-2. Two -two. Whenever she deals combat damage to a player, you may put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. Period. New paragraph. Whenever you put one or more minus one, minus one counters on a creature, create a 1-1 one, one green snake creature token with death touch. Now that's unfortunate because I thought they were black. And one of my best suggestions for this deck was based on the snakes being black, and they are not. I don't really discriminate against green snakes or black snakes. This particular card does. 
Oh. Yeah. So we'll just... It was Corrosive Mentor. Makes all your black creatures way cooler because it gives them wither. Oh, yeah. yeah that's and, right. But if the snakes are green... Well, we are playing black creatures. Let's see if it's good by the end of the list. Probably not. Peep this. Very basic level. Hapatra. Two drop. Two two. You play her. Turn two. Swing with her on turn three. You give somebody's... Meh, whatever. Mana dork or other two mana commander a minus one minus one and you get a snake and the snake has death touch so you just continuously swing in with hapatra to people who have you know two twos that have a minus one counter on them to dink them for two because they're probably not going to block and have their guy die or you swing in for one with all of the snakes that you're making to the players that can profitably block them but don't want to anymore because the snakes have death touch death touch the ultimate rattlesnake card on a snake oh i see what you did so you can kind of just turn hapatra sideways early game and just start dinking people if you get everybody kind of down to whatever 35 36 you've taken away 10 percent of their life and you haven't even really done anything yet you're so just hanging out doing what the deck does we talk about that little incremental damage or that little incremental value there is some right there. If you can take away 10% of two people's life in the games just by doing something extraneous to your actual plan, that makes everybody just a little bit easier to kill. Right? You don't have to kill everybody. You just have to make sure that you don't get killed. And in value decks like this, making people easier to kill is the name of the game. For everybody. Because part of the another way to gain that little bit of value is to have other people do the work for you. They do some of the heavy lifting, so you can do some of the lighter lifting, like maybe the last four damage. Ooh. All right? Maybe the last four damage. Then you're eliminating a player, potentially winning, and you feel good because you're the one that's knocking the other guy out. Also, never underestimate the feel-good power of knowing that the first four damage was technically the last four damage. Because sometimes the guy with the big swing and dick creature hits him for 36. And you're like, ha, I did five to you earlier. Yeah, that's right. Get ruined, you scumbag. Yeah, that's right. So... Let's look at the list. Let's look at the list. Usually, we start with the Creech. We do. And we have an anomaly this week, because normally we do them in alphabetical order. This time, tappedout.net has decided that not only are we going to start not doing it alphabetically anymore because of this one guy, it's a guy that both of us really dig, former card of the week candidate, Sadistic Hypnotist. I know. I had to put him in because I love him. He is a 2-2 two, two for 5, so he sounds terrible, but he's a minion, so he gets plus 1, plus 1 from Balthor. There you go. Just kidding. Saves it. Yeah, there's more. There's more. <laughs> Sack a creature. Target player discards two cards. You can only do it during a sorcery or like a sorcery, but you're going to see that we make lots and lots of dudes, and sometimes we need sack outlets so we can sacrifice our own guy that has a minus 1, minus 1 counter on him to start a combo. And we can shred somebody's hand to nothing. Sometimes they're just keeping that one counter spell. Yeah. Or they're keeping force with something to pitch <laughs> the force back up. Sometimes they're keeping those four counter spells. <laughs> you just got to get rid of all of them. All right, next up. I actually hate this card. I think that he was... I don't hate it in this deck, but I hate that it exists because I think he kind of sucks. But I think he was built for Hepatra. Perhaps. He is Amit Eternal. He's a 5-5 five, five for 3. Whoa. Afflict. He's a zombie crocodile demon. He doesn't look like a crocodile. What? What? I yeah. only read that just now. Yeah. I love when they do like three creature types like that because how 
two are relevant and one of them is just a misprint on the card. Yeah, I so wish that this was a legendary creature. So you could be legendary creature, zombie, crocodile, demon. <laughs> so sweet. Anyways, five, five, or three. He's got a flicked. So when he becomes blocked, defending player loses three life. So he's going to get three if you block him or don't block him. Right. Sometimes a flicked is actually more. So they will leave him unblocked because he's got, whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a minus one counter on him. Remember, when you put a minus one counter on him, Hapatra gives you a snake. So you get a snake whenever somebody plays a spell. Sweet. Okay. And whenever Amit Eternal deals combat damage to a player, remove all minus ones from him. It. It's all right. It's very good in this deck. Other than that, I don't really like him. I drew one in draft one time. Like when I, the rare occasions I play draft, I figured I'm going to beat wholesale ass with this. Yeah. Five, five, three, right? Didn't work. Oh, dang. They just went thing, 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 block him. The only, the only thing, I love that afflict on him because if they do block him so he doesn't turn back into a 5-5, five five, they're still going to take three. Remember, incremental advantage. It's a thing. Yep. All right, next up, Arbor Elf. One mana, mana dork. Birds of Paradise. One mana, mana dork. Channeler Initiate. Two mana, mana dork, but let's give it a read. Now let's let's take a look at this one. He's actually a cool card. So he's a 3-4 for green one. Yeah, so... What w- the hell? In our non-mana dorks, we're seeing some really buff-ass creatures. Yeah. Okay. And he also he comes into play with three minus one minus one counters on him. That does not trigger Hepatra because he no. enters play with them in play. Correct. So that's important. You tap him, remove a counter from him, and you get a mana of any color. Sweet. So eventually he'll be a three four. Is what that means. He's a zero one when he enters the battlefield. Hmm. Uh, okay, not as good as what we thought. But when he's a three four and you put a counter on him, he's still a two three, and then you can remove that counter to get mana. Continuously. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I like that. I like that card. Deathrite Shaman, the littlest planeswalker. One mana mana dork with graveyard removal and incremental value. Dusk Urchins. Ooh. Four three for three, so another beater. Whenever it blocks or attacks, it gets a minus one minus one. And then when it dies, you draw a card for each plus one sorry, each minus one counter on it. It's a cool one. He's got a, he's got a fun picture and it's an Opley. Oh. An oaf. An oaf? Oafal? An oof? An oaf? Whatever. Uh, yeah. Oafal indeed. It's going to beat. It's going to draw you cards. And uh, if you have any way of pumping it and then giving it a whole ton of minus one counters and then killing it. That'd be cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How about Elves of Deep Butthole? Or Shadow, if you will. That's a one mana, mana dork. Elvish Mystic. One mana mana dork. Findhorn Elves. One mana mana dork. Eternal Witness. That is a get you something back from your graveyard for three mana. What the hell is Golgari <laughs> Rotworm <laughs> doing in here? I knew you were going to say it. Old school, original Ravnica throwback. Hey, we're in Guilds of Ravnica land now, time now. Uh, I thought it would be nice to go back to original original. And Golgari Rotworm fits the bill of wanting to sacrifice a creature to start a combo. So he is a 5-4 for 5. He's going to beat, right? Right. Okay. You can put four counters on him before he dies, which is also good. He's got black, sack a creature, target player loses one life. So he kind of fills that aristocrat's role that this deck is going to want when you start having lots and lots and lots of creatures die eating shit but he's gonna make them eat shit and he's gonna do the the life loss all on the same card dig it yeah how about harbinger of night oh baby two three for four black black two he's a spirit during your upkeep put a minus one counter on each creature last week we mentioned that spirits just 
they were totally terrible, just like every other tribe in Kamigawa. Except for this one. Except for Spirit. Here we go, Spirit. Guess what set he's not from? Krapagawa. Yeah, guess what he is from? Mirage. Absolutely hidden gem from Mirage. This guy will do work. Are they still hidden gems from Mirage? Let's just be... Mirage is good. Let's just say... Mirage is so awesome for Commander. Because it's so crazy. It's just so weird, hey? Now, remember, whenever you put a minus one, minus one counter on a creature, you get a snake. So if you put a minus one, minus one on ten creatures with Harbinger of Night, you get ten snakes. Yeah. All of a sudden, your sadistic hypnotist and your Zulaport cutthroat that we're playing looking really good because you can shred every single person's hand to nothing and everybody takes 10. Nice. Until next turn when you do it again. <laughs> and again. you double the number of, th- you don't double the number, but you just keep the same number of things. That's right. Or more of some of the things were two twos that are one ones now. Oh, and never mind. So you get all your one one snakes that you got this turn. Next turn, Harbringer of Night puts minus one counters on all of those, so they just die. If you didn't sacrifice them to your sadistic hypnotist, if you don't, you just put minus one counters on them next turn. Newsflash, we're not playing doubling season or parallel lives. We're not. There's no room in the budget, and... uh, We don't want to be those guys. Yeah. I mean, they're in the stock list on EDHRector.com, so we're just like, no, we're going to do Spirit of Night or something sweet instead like that. Yeah. Also important to note, if you're going to play anything that doubles counters, especially minus one, minus one counters, and Hepatra ends up getting one, she's going to die. So you have to be really cognizant of doing that kind of stuff. Like doubling season. Again, just another reason that we didn't include it. Yeah, I mean, doubling season, Hepatra, Harbinger of Night. Your Hepatra dies every turn, and you've got to invest that incrementally growing amount of mana just to get the value that you want. Yeah, and that is on top of her actually just dying because she is the cornerstone to a couple of the really power synergies or combos in the deck so she's going to be two and then four and then six and then all of a sudden if your mana dorks have died and there's not a whole ton of like rocks or other ramp spells in the deck hapatra at eight really hard to cast you're in bad shape <laughs> all right let's keep going landmore elves one drop mana dork necro skitter oh yeah okay he's a one four for three with Wither, so he deals his damage in the form of minus one, minus one counters. Yes. So you're going to get snakes whenever he hits a creature. And he's got four in the butt, so it's like, don't Google that, A. <laughs> B, um, people can't just chump him and expect to win and then give you a snake, right? So, okay, cool. But he also does, whenever a creature an opponent controls with a minus one, minus one counter on it dies, you may return that card to the battlefield under your control. So good. So when he kills something, or when anything dies, because you're going to be putting counters on everything, you just get it. I dig it. There's some spot removal in the deck, so you just put a minus one counter on anything, any way that you possibly can, and then you just snuff out. You just mortify, no, not mortify, putrefy a creature, and then you just get it. You know what I kind of like about Necroskitter is it hoses those value removal creatures like um, we talked about them earlier, Woodfall Primus. Ooh, yeah. Because you're going to Woodfall Primus, and then he comes back and he nukes a thing, and then you kill him again, and now you have a Woodfall Primus. <laughs> And that's you right, because he has a minus one on him. It's kind of neat. You know, you get some value out of somebody else's dude, and that's neat. How about Obelisk Spider? I freaking love this guy. Yeah, you said that you like this. Another one for this one with Reach. This one also three mana. Green, black, one this time. Whenever Obelisk Spider deals damage to a creature, put a minus one on that creature. So he has one power, and he gives a minus one counter. So he's effectively a two, four. It's kind of like Wither, but it's actually better. 
Yeah, it's better. It's improved wither. Imp wither. Whenever you put a minus one counter on a creature, each opponent loses a life and you gain a life. Sorry, whenever you put one or more counters. Hello, Harbinger of Night. Right? <laughs> again, Harbinger of Night, and you don't sack your snakes. You just do it again the next turn, and everybody's losing 10 every turn. You so don't even cool. need to attack. That is one of the reasons we can afford so many little guys and so many mana dorks because we've got some of these really good blockers like this 1-4 reaching spider that don't need to attack because we can just do the incremental damage thing. Dig it. Also, that card would look awesome in foil. It's got cool art on it. Oh, yeah. Big legs and there's stuff. A, there's the sun in the background and the... What are those things? The talon gates? Oh, yeah. Those are the talon. I, I was thinking his legs... Kind of no, they're bolus horns. Yeah. I was thinking his legs kind of like mimic the bolus horns, and he is from the Nickel Bolus set, Hour of Devastation. And then you're like, oh yeah, the horns are in the background. How about Priest of Titania? This is a two mana mana dork, but it's actually a little bit better. That one extra mana gives you far more than one extra mana when you tap it. She adds a green deer mana pool for each elf on the battlefield. Very cool. Yeah, I don't think we've ever played that card. I don't think we have either. And remember, it's Elf on the battlefield. So if anybody else has, you know, this relevant creature type called Elf, you who just would, get more mana. Who would ever play Elf? They're terrible. Yeah, yeah They're yeah, the worst. Whatever. Stupid everything. How about Scoos? Scavenging Ooze. Graveyard Hate. Two, two for two. One, like you pay a green and you exile a card from a graveyard. If it was a creature, you put a plus one on him, and Scavenging Ooze gains you a life. All right, next up, we're going to break from tradition, and we're going to go straight into Card of the, of the week. week. Dang. I, I did put this one in. I, I I knew that you'd like it. I got so happy when I saw this card that I'm doing this. It's Sashiro the Anointed. Way back on episode five, I think, where we did Snake Tribal. This is the commander for it? Yes, sir. Okay. Three, four, snake for six. Yeah. Snake monk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Krapagawa. Yeah, okay. Other snakes get plus one, plus one. Plus two, plus two. Other snakes get plus two, plus two. Yes. So now you have three, three death touchers from Hapatra. Yeah. Holy shit. Hello, Harbringer of Night. <laughs> right? Okay, <laughs> we keep going back to him. Whenever a snake you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Whoa. Yeah, so this is one of the card draw spells I counted in this deck. There are nine of them in total. This one will draw you lots of cards. Lots and lots of them. Yeah, because your your three three death touchers now don't give a shit anymore. They will swing every single. Oh, oh, I love that guy. Yeah, we'll go into him later on when we actually get to, to card of the week. Next up, we have Ulvenwald Tracker. Yeah, so he is a one one for one. You go green one tap target creature you control fights another target creature. Snake fights other thing. Death touch snake fights thing. Or your wither guy. Or like if if you're just trying to kill like an X one, your wither guy, because he's going to put a plus one or a minus one, then you're going to get it. There's all kinds of things. You can actually make one of your creatures fight another one of your creatures if it has like a minus one on it to start a combo with Hepatra. Insane. Yeah, you can use these to fight your own creatures. How about Wicker Bow Elder? 4-4 four, four, for 4, enters the battlefield with a minus 1 counter on it. and Sound, you Sounds terrible. Sounds terrible, but just wait, there's more. Green, remove a counter, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Ooh. So then it becomes a 4-4, four, four, right? So you got a good beater, but you can put counters back on it to do all the stuff that we've talked about and then just start dusting more enchantments. I more dig that. More and more and more, yeah. Then we have, we've talked about this guy lots already, Zulaport Cutthroat. When him or another creature you control dies, each opponent loses a life and you gain a life. So that's going to get lots of guys. All right, now let's get our kind of the high end of our, our creature pool, the deep end, if you will. 
We've got a quill spike. Yeah. Okay, quill spike. Golgari hybrid and two. So three mana total for a beast. He's a 1-1. You go Golgari hybrid and remove a minus one counter from a creature you control. Quill spike gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. So he turns into a huge rockin' beater. Yeah, so you just, what What do you do? You remove five counters from among creatures you control to make him an 11-11. And then you swing in with your Pathbreaker Ibex. Ooh! <laughs> yeah, so Pathbreaker Ibex, whenever it attacks, creatures you control get trample and get plus X plus X, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Rip everyone. Yeah, so you've got all these snakes, you remove counters from a bunch of stuff, you give everything plus 8, 11, 12, whatever, with your Ibex, and then you just swing for like 100. I like that a lot. This is, I would call this like your auxiliary way or your secondary way to win the game. Always super important, right? And it's the classic, kick everyone's head in, I like it. Yeah. Speaking of kicking heads in, we're also rocking a Crater Hoof Behemoth. Like Pathbreaker Ibex, except this guy comes into the battlefield for 8 mana and gives all your creatures plus X plus X, where X is the number of creatures you control. Remember those, like, 11 mana dorks that we play? They're going to power out a Crater Hoof really fast. That's right? how the deck worked in Modern. So that's it for creatures. Typically, we move on to the instants and sorceries, so let's do that. Yeah, we're going to blow through them, uh, except for any of the ones that are very integral to the strategy. We'll start with Abrupt Decay. That destroys target non-land permanent. If its converted mana cost is three or less, probably should be Assassin's Trophy, but F the budget. Beast Within. Kills a thing, gives a beast away, so you can put minus counters on it. Nice. Huh? Nature's Claim. Kills an artifact or enchantment. Putrefy. Kills a creature or an artifact. Satessan Tactics. Yeah, I never knew this card even existed until I started looking into Hapatra stuff. So it's an instant for green and one. It's got Strive, so it costs a green more to cast for each target beyond the first. And what it does is, until end of turn, any number of target creatures gets plus one, plus one, and gains tap. Target creature fights another target creature. Or this creature fights another creature. Neat. Yeah, so every creature you want to kill, you just pay an extra green. That's a good rate to kill a creature. Yes, it and is. And you just tap a snake to kill it. I dig it. And lots of times your snake will survive if it's like a 2-2. How about Snuff Out? That's four mana, but really, if you control a swamp and pay four life, it's free, and it lets you destroy a non-black creature. The sexy-ass Liliana on it. Yeah. How about Vendetta? Also almost free, but uh, what it is is destroy target non-black creature. It can't be regenerated. You lose life equal to that creature's toughness, and it just costs a black. It's a really good rate to kill a creature. That one mana kill a creature, that's good. Let's do some killer sorceries. You all knew this one was coming, so we'll start with it. Black Sun Zenith. Oh, yeah. Black, black X. Put X minus one counters on each creature. Then shuffle it into your library. Then take a visit to Snake Town. Yeah. How about, hey, how often How often do you black suns in this deck for one, just so Hapatra doesn't die? Several. Several black suns for one. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> what? Shuffles back in. You could do it several times. You could. It's a thing. How about Driven to Despair? So, Driven to Despair... Split card with Aftermath. You can only cast the Aftermath one from your graveyard. Green one for Driven. Until end of turn, creatures you control gain Trample. And whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So it gives all your snakes Sashiro the Anointed. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, remember, they, they're already difficult to block because they have Death Touch. And Despair is until end of turn... Creatures you control gain menace, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card. It's like the opposite of what it did before. 
Yeah, kind of. Actually, yeah, and it costs black one, so it's kind of just, it kind of is just the opposite. One's a green ability in Trample, one's a black ability in Menace. I dig it. That's kind of cool. Speaking of Zeniths, how about the Green Sun Zenith? Yeah, here's our tutor. Search your library for a green creature with converted mana cost X or less and put it into the battlefield and then shuffle Green Sun. Here's the first con. First con? <laughs> that was almost something dirty. Yeah, it was. Here's the first card that I thought of when you said we were doing a patch for this week. Incremental Blight. Oh, yeah. It was in the stock list on EDHREC.com. Of course it is. Yeah. Anyways, Black Black 3 Sorcery. Put a minus one counter on a creature, two minus ones on another creature, and three minus ones on a, another creature. Kill three things, get three snakes, pay five mana. Not bad. Yeah, that is a six creature swing for five mana. Value town. Yeah, free snake. How about mind twist? Mind twist you save until the end of the game when your final opponent thinks it, okay, I've got this. Next turn I'm going to untap. I'm going to wrath or rift or whatever. You go untap. Draw your card for the turn, tap, you know, whatever, five, mind twist you. Target player discards X cards at random. Just nuke their whole hand. Ooh, greasy. Yeah, that's a throwback to the CEDH list because that card is nasty. It's a, it's a beating, that one. Read the bones. There's a card draw spell. Black, two, scry two, then draw two, and then lose two. Life. And lastly, we have Triumph of the Hordes. This fits into the Pathbreaker, Ibex, and Crater Hoof Behemoth category. Green, green, two, until end of turn, creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Trample and Infect. Nice. Yeah, this is a pretty classic Hapatra card. There are lots of um, Infect Hapatra lists because remember, Infect deals wither damage to creatures. People forget that lots. All right, let's move on to some enchantments. We'll try and bang through these pretty quick too. We got Blowfly Infestation. Here is your first Poison Ball combo piece with Hapatra. Black, two. Whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, so when it dies, if it had a minus one counter on it, put a minus counter on target creature. So you sacrifice something that has a minus one counter on it. Remember, we've got those sack outlets and then you get a another minus one and a snake. You sacrifice that minus one thing, you get another one and a snake. If you just put the minus one counter on the snake that you get, you can continuously just have that snake die at this point and then get another snake that you put a minus one on. Another snake, another snake, another snake, another snake. Infinite graveyard. Uh, infinite Zulaport triggers. Good night, Irene. S yeah. Carpet of flowers. CEDH favorite. During your main phase, you get X mana of any one color, where X is the number of islands your opponents control. How about choke? Haha, -ha, speaking of shitty island people. Green, two. Islands don't untap during their controller's untap steps. Get wrecked, scrub. Contamination. This kind of does the same thing. It's black, two. During your upkeep, you got to sack a creature or sack contamination. We don't care. We're going to get lots of snakes. Whenever a land is tapped for mana, it adds black instead of any regular type and amount. That's dirty. Yeah. Also, it's got a sweet picture on it. Very much so. Those little, little painted ones, they're all like kind of gruesome and gory, classic uh, fantasy art. I like that. Yeah. Remember, this uh, This works really good with all of our mana dorks as well because we can just tap our elves for green and then all of our lands for black. Dig it. How about Crumbling Ashes? At the beginning of your upkeep, destroy a target creature with a minus one counter on it. Dig it. That's how you get the big guys. Dark Tutelage. Three mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card. Lose life equal to that card's converted mana cost. Earthcraft. Ooh. Ooh. Green, one. Tap an untapped creature you control. Untap target basic land. It's very good. Yeah, very much combo city with that. Now a card that I think should probably just be a birthing pod, Evolutionary Leap. Yeah, Okay. Green one. Oh, you know what else this could be instead of birthing pod is survival of the fittest. Ooh. That's probably better than birthing pod. Yeah. But significantly more money. 
Yeah. Anyways, green, sack a creature, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card, put that card into your hand, and the rest on the bottom in a random order. So it, it kind of green draw tutors. I don't know, what's the what's the word for this? It collective companies you, kind of. Sure. Right? And it's not a tutor. That's why I left it in. The art's kind of cool, too. I'm glad that you mentioned the art, because this art is super triggering for me, because it's a snake literally turning into a naga, just like they did in the game as a whole. No. F you wizards. That's, that's what's <laughs> happening on this card. Damn it. Oh. All right, speaking of F the budget, Leyline of the Void. If you start the game with it in your hand, it starts in play. And it exiles things instead of going to your opponent's graveyards. It's pretty good. Nest of Scarabs. Oh, baby. Another combo card. Okay, so three mana. Whenever you put one or more minus one counters on a creature, create that many black insect creature tokens. So not just one when you put a bunch of counters on something. If you put five counters, you get five insects. So if you have like a nest of scarabs and a blowfly infestation with Hapatra, you are putting minus one counters on a snake or a scarab and it dies. And then you get additional ones coming into play and dying, coming into play and dying. And that's, it effectively acts as your doubling season. That doesn't actually kill Hapatra if you put a minus one on her. Cool. So Nest of Scarabs, hugely important. Phyrexian Arena. Draw a card, lose a life. Planar Chaos. Planar Chaos? Planar Void. Planar Void. This is a black mana only. Leyline of the Void ability. Except it affects everybody. So a little bit of a non-bow with Blowfly Infestation, the combo I just said. But it's just black to exile all graveyards henceforth. Sometimes you gotta do that. How about Snake Pit? Snake Pit. Masks for Brando. I dig it. Whenever an opponent plays a blue spell or a black spell, you get a snake. An opponent. You said that, right? Whenever an opponent plays a blue spell or a black spell, you get a snake, yes. Squirrel Nest. This combos with your Earthcraft, and it's three mana. Enchanted Land has tap. Put a 1-1 green squirrel creature token into play. God damn it. And you just tap that squirrel to untap the land that squirrel nest is enchanted to. You can also tap and untap your infect, your insects and your snakes with Earthcraft too. So you get a snake from a minus one counter and you can tap your land again. It generates you a ton of incremental mana without actually comboing. That's what I should have said when we were looking at Earthcraft. Sylvan Library. Enchantment draws you extra cards at the cost of four life per. Underworld Connections. Three mana, Enchant Land, tap Enchanted Land, pay a life, draw a card. You can also use Snakes and Earthcraft to untap your Underworld Connections and draw a ton of cards that way as well. Utopia Sprawl. You can generate infinite mana with this one, and the next one, they are green each to enchant a land or a forest in Utopia Sprawl's case, and then they tap for an extra mana. And the other one is Wild Growth. Yeah, so this is how you do your, like, infinite... Uh, Black Sun Zenith to kill everything, or uh, Green Sun for Crater Hoof. That's how you do it. Okay, after enchantments, we'll usually do the artifacts. So let's get through some of these. We have Sol Ring and Blasting Station. I love how you just automatically skip Sol Ring now, FYI. (laughs) (laughs) Blasting Station, three mana artifact. Tap, sack a creature. There it is. Blasting Station deals one damage to creature or player. And whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you can untap it. Ooh, seems good with your blowfly infestation and your nest of scarabs because you can just continuously sacrifice stuff and blasting station somebody to blasted hell death. To to pieces, yeah. How about Cauldron of Souls? Cauldron of Souls is interesting because you can choose any number of creatures and they all gain persist. So they enter the battle. If they were to die, they 
die and then come back into the battlefield with a minus one counter on them. Remember, doesn't trigger Hepatra to get you snakes, but if those creatures then die again, because they have minus one counters on them, they'll trigger things like Blowfly Infestation. Or Necroskitter, and you'll or, just get them. And you'll just get them, yeah. You can choose your opponent's creatures with Cauldron of Souls. Yeah. And then they just you just kill them after that, and then you get them. Obvious includes we have Contagion Clasp and Contagion Engine. Summarize those. One of them costs two, one of them costs six. When Clasp enters the battlefield, you put a minus one, minus one counter on a creature and then get a snake, or you can tap four in it to proliferate. Contagion Engine puts a minus one, minus one on each creature target player controls, getting you between zero and a bunch of snakes. Tap four in it, proliferate twice. How often do you choose yourself with Contagion Engine to start a, like, Poison Ball Hapatra combo? If that wins you the game, probably you do it, right? Often, yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah. How about Graph Digger's Cage? More graveyard hate. Creatures can't enter the battlefield from the graveyard or libraries. Interesting. Sort of a non-bow with your green suns. You know, Very moment. much it is, yeah. But it doesn't happen super often, and that's kind of not how we're planning to win the game. But it also does. Players can't cast cards in graveyards or libraries. So it shuts off your Panglacial Worm from your library <laughs> <laughs> and it shuts off like flashback spells and stuff oh, i love this one infiltration lens i think we played that last week didn't we yes we did whenever equipped creature becomes blocked by a creature you may draw two cards it's an equipment for one that equips for one yeah and speaking of drawing two cards for one and equipping for one skull clam yeah equipped creature gets plus one minus one and when it dies draw two cards now let's delve deep down into the shit one is good, one is expensive, but... Let's, okay. Yeah, the, first up, Planeswalker, Garrick Wildspeaker. Untap two target lands. Uh, that's probably good if you can untap the land that Squirrel Nest is on or the land that Underworld Connections is on. Yes, Get another squirrel and draw another card. Or it gives you a beast to minus one, minus one counter for value. Yep. Or it can overrun to overrun with all your snakes. And mana dorks. You, you can't discount having 13 mana dorks in play. Do you know how many times I've mana dork, mana dork, mana dork, like times 15, and then Crater Hoofed in Animar? Like, it's so good. It's very good. Yeah. Nobody sees it coming. That's why Crater Hoof wins so many games. And uh, you can't discount Garrick's ultimate. It's only a minus four. Does so you the could, turn after he comes into play. You could plus him, untap two lands, get some value that way, minus him with 10 mana dorks and attack for like 40. What's the next Planeswalker? <sighs> Liliana of the Last Hope. Hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> let's get into this one. Planeswalker, Liliana, three loyalty, black, black, one. That's okay. It costs three. Fine. Okay, plus one. Up to one target creature gets minus two, minus one until end of turn. Ooh. I wish that was a minus one, minus one counter, hey? Right? That would be so much better. That would be so good in this deck. Okay, her minus two put the top two cards from your library into your graveyard then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand eh. not the battlefield but also could ramp you if you're getting a uh, a mana dork back i guess okay fine and her minus seven so this would happen like four turns after you play her you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step get x22 black zombie creature tokens where x is the number of zombies you control why did I put this in here? I don't know. I was wondering that too. I was hoping you were going to explain it to me. Now, here's what I'm hoping is not the reason you put it in here, Ryan. Uh-huh. Is the 
super cool frameless art because it's from the super mega planeswalker package guilds of ravnica mythic edition yeah did i call that the right thing i don't care but everybody knows <laughs> what we're talking about I thought you were gonna say i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no but you don't even care enough to know i don't care enough to know and you know why i don't care enough to... everybody dumps on these things because they're so expensive and wizards is hosing local game stores and not let's just talk for just a second about these actual cards what they did to make these was take a layer off of the photoshop image that they used to print the card that's all they did. If you knew somebody who was skilled with a paintbrush or a freaking crayon, you could just go home and do this yourself because Planeswalkers are already full-frame art. Almost. Yes. <laughs> what the hell are people so freaking excited for? Honestly. I don't know. I guess maybe they're collectible. I don't know. People have this huge hard-on for Planeswalkers. And the Liliana, you guys—it's not Liliana. even the sexiest Liliana. Yeah, it's, it's not the best-looking one. It's not the most playable one. It's just the Liliana. Yeah, this one's not even good. I like Liliana Vest better. I, I do too. You know what? I do too. <laughs> I, I do too. You would go off on another tangent. No, and that card's not even good. I don't even like that card, but I like it better than this card. F this card. Yeah, you know what? I think we should play Sexy Liliana instead. Same mana cost, and she makes like uh, people sack creatures or discard cards. If you put a minus one counter on their only creature, then you make them sacrifice a creature. Then you could potentially get that with a Necro Skitter. That's probably good. I like it. But uh, she's like 100 bucks. Mind you, this one's 40 Yeah, and you know why it's 40 Because it's in standard right now. Yeah. Who cares where she's played? The fact is, she's 40 bucks. We could just cut her and play a, a Swamp. Let's just cut her for a Swamp. You know what? I am only playing like 33 land in the deck. 34 now. Okay. <laughs> and we have 40 bucks in our pocket for beer. I like that too. Yeah. Now last thing, well, that's the deck, but if you're looking through it on CCO podcast, tappedout.net, you're looking at our land base. You're going to notice that we're playing a bunch of basic swamps. And I'm going to call you out just a little bit. Uh-oh. If there has ever been a deck where you would specify which basic you're going to play, it's this one. And you would then play, I believe it's your favorite swamp art. Oh! Ron Spencer. Yes. Quill Spike. Yes. Invasion Swamp. 339. Yes. Uh, it's, it's my favorite. I actually know the collector number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, missed the, you missed the opportunity. We're even playing Quill Spike in the deck. It's, it's the perfect thing. So... For those of CCO Nation listening in front of their computer screen or on their phone, just go to Scryfall or Google or whatever. Just type in Invasion Swamp 339. It'll come up. It's the one with the little lizard and the little quill spike in the spooky tree. It's super cool. That's my favorite swamp. Yeah, you built uh, one of those life counter cards out of them. Yeah, ones. 3D life counter. Yeah. That's right. And Most then I had to order a whole bunch more of them for a deck because I used them all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one actual land of note in the deck is um, if near Deadlands, it, yes. it's a desert, and you tap it for colorless, or you tap it and pay one life, and you get a black out of it. Big deal. Who cares? But you can go black, black, two, tap, sacrifice a desert, so you sacrifice this desert, put two minus one, minus one counters on target creature and opponent controls. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah. It's a removal spell in a land and gets you a snake. And you could play the... Um, Endless, what's the desert that exiles graveyards? Endless sands? Endless 
Now, Endless Sands, it does creatures you control and then saves them. But uh, I you, know the one that you mean. You could play all of the deserts that fit into these colors just so you could continuously if near Deadlands. Yeah. You could do that, uh, including desert. You could play real desert. Yeah. And real desert, what is it, prevents a damage to something? No. It does a damage. does a damage. I'm thinking of Oasis. Yes. Is that a desert? No. It should be. I know it should be, but it's not. You, you know, technically it's not a desert because it's an oasis, so it shouldn't be a desert. But it's in the desert. It's part of the desert. It's not an oasis unless it's in the desert, I don't think. I'm not sure exactly how you I think you, you could be an oasis and not be in a desert. What's the point, then? It's not really an oasis. It's just Well, like, okay, get this, get this. Okay, so you have um, um, your arcade room in your house. Yeah. That's your oasis. That's where you go to relax and have a good time. That's true. Ah. But- that means that the oasis in the desert is where you go to, like, not die in the desert, right? It's not just a pond in the middle of a field. Because that means every dirty, rotten slough in the middle of Saskatchewan is an oasis. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that, but uh, I'm so glad I don't have any sloughs in my yard because we'd have so many mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, um, is that the deck? That's the whole deck. Okay, well, if anybody from CCO Nation was following along at home, nine card draw spells. That's probably enough because a lot of those card draw spells are going to net you a ton of cards. Yes. Okay, so like attacking with your, um, what was it, never and again or never far and away? Driven to despair. Driven to despair. You're going to draw lots because you've been killing all your opponent's creatures, right? Um, you're going to have a bunch of snakes. Exactly. Your, your oaf that draws you cards when he dies... You just pump him with your crater hoof, and then you give him a bunch of minus ones with your blowfly infestation, and then you sacrifice him. Yeah. Right? So you're going to draw lots. Targeted removal. If you can put multiple counters on creatures to kill them, and killing artifacts and enchantments, 14 ways to kill stuff. F yeah. That's lots. We're playing green-black. Five ways to sweep or put massive amounts of counters at one time without comboing. There's five ways to do that. 15 dorks and ramp or mana rocks and stuff. Wow. So lots of early mana. And then things that actually care about minus ones, 18. I like that. That's yeah. on theme. That's theme. I love thematic stuff. I I always struggle with how to play a deck like this. Like, do you want to combo or do you want to get value? I know at the start of the show we talked about getting that incremental value, but I know that the CEDH deck with Hapatra actually... Because you have access to your strategy right on your two-mana commander. So it's like you start the game with a tutor in your hand, if you're playing the CEDH list, and just tutor for the thing you need to win with Hapatra. Or if you have one of your combo cards in your hand, you can still tutor for the other one. Like That's how the deck plays, unless you want to like long game grind out a win with a bunch of stacks cards. That's how the CEDH deck plays. Is that how this one does it? That's how this deck definitely does it. I mean, you have the combos in there. You're either going to draw them and win, or you're going to long game everybody out until you can kill them with the big swing. Otherwise, yeah. the deck is just a bunch of value-y one-ones with death touch that eventually are just going to get crushed by things that are 7-7 seven, seven and have trample. Yeah, like, welcome to Commander. Yeah, you're going to die right along with their creatures. You know what I like? You know what I like about what everything that you just said though is this little tiny creature control deck can welcome you back to commander it's like okay i'm player one you're player three you swing at player two and like alpha strike them kill them and i only have like some mana dorks and then i go crater hoof and i welcome you to commander and then you die and i'm the only one left 
Yeah, that's how it does it. This deck can do that if it didn't already value you out with Hapatra and made it so you can't do your Alpha Strike on the other player, right? And then eventually I just I just step on your neck until I can either combo or just kill you. And I think we're going to get into this more in strengths and weaknesses, but one of the strengths, or weaknesses, I guess, is the opposite of strength, <laughs> of this deck is... If you're unable to somehow get that incremental advantage to keep the creatures down, yours are really good, but the other creature guys is are probably better. Your yours are yours are high quality, but they're not very big. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, there will come a point where the wave of goblins is gonna come, and they're gonna get you. There is gonna be that time where the guy playing the the that new angel card that makes all of your tokens into 4-4 four, four flying angels instead of 0-1 plant tokens. Yeah. It's coming. And the deck, it can survive a long time. It's got a lot of control. It's got a lot of good removal, a lot of spot removal, and it can deal with a lot of threats. But there is going to come a point where your value will either run out and you're just going to get you're going to get crunched is, or... Yeah, you know what? I, I feel like this is the kind of deck that the table as a whole will wise up to throughout the course of the game or the evening and start to say, hey, there's that card that does that thing for him. Let's get it, right? And then you can't fight three players because, like, you're not a blue base control deck and or you're not a uh, tier one combo list. It's not combo-y enough to just win through a bunch of hate, and it's not powerful enough, I'm going to say powerful enough, to just stop three, just stonewall three guys who want to kick your face in you just you can't yeah now moving to strengths if that's a weakness moving to strengths is the deck is very tunable there are some loose includes in here um do we really want to be evolutionary leaping when we could use like a natural order to find our crater hoof for example right um we can just put crater hoof right into play for four mana and win that way a natural order sack a snake bang uh, you have to... Oh, no, the snakes are green. Yeah. Yeah, snakes are green. You can do that. Um, you can tune this to fight uh, what kind of meta you have, right? Um, you can tune it to have more wraths, more sweepers, more ways to keep creatures down. You could add more artifact hate in because you're playing green. Um, you could make a full-on stacks list like you did. Yep. Uh, you could do all kinds of stuff like that, right? Maybe I'll just steal your idea and rehelm my stacks list with Hepatra and then just make it an even bigger, more painful slog for everyone. Yeah, and you know what? If that was the case, or if there's lots of decks like that in your meta and you have this deck, you could tune this into a faster combo deck, right? Playing lots of aggro decks or Voltron decks, more Wraths, more minus one counters, more artifact removal. Playing a control deck, just make it a faster combo deck. One of the strengths of this list, I think, is it's very tunable. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of play during the game, so it's interesting to play with. And it's got one of those decks where you can just pick and choose and find new things to do. The deck can be molded to do whatever you want it to do. Strength or weakness? I'm not sure when I look at the budget because we like to we don't like to recommend like the thousand dollar competitive decks. Yeah. But this deck with some of the cards that are in it. Almost five hundred dollars. Wow. Now that being said, I filtered on tapped out to the most expensive cards in the list, and that Liliana last whatever butthole her name is, uh, is like forty four dollars. Cutter swamp. Yeah. Okay. okay fine. Um, Bloodstained mire. Do we really need it at twenty four bucks? Well, especially like, since it's the red, green, the red black one. It's not even a verdant catacombs. I didn't think that it was that expensive. And Verdant Catacombs is far more expensive. That's why I didn't put it in. Oh, there we go. Uh, but do we need any shock or fetch lands? 
I don't think in a deck like this, I don't think no. so, right? Like, um, I, I had highlighted as a weakness, there's not very much graveyard reusability. If we had some, uh, what's the Runamap Excavator or whatever? Yeah. I mean, whatever, we can get some extra value out of that. But he doesn't do anything other than, he's not even a snake. Nope, not even so, a snake. Okay, cut it. Cut it. I think that this is one of those, the, the graveyard recursion. I know that black and green are very good at that, but I think that's one of those pigeonhole things where it's like you're playing Golgari colors, so you have to do Golgari stuff, and you don't. Yeah, it's strong, but you don't have to do it. I suppose. Not doing it isn't a weakness. It's just a part of a strategy that you're not implementing. Like when you're playing mono white, if you ever do that because you're terrible, <laughs> you don't have to jam nine sweepers. F you, Jesse. Yeah. Okay, next card, Crater Hoof. He's $22. He even got a reprint and he's still that much because he's, he's like, I mean, he's 100% worth it. He will win you the game. Yeah, he, he, he is eight mana win the game. That's why I say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're playing a Pathbreaker Ibex. Whenever he attacks, he gets uh, he gives everybody big, big, equal to your biggest guy. Um, why not cut Crater Hoof and play Overwhelming Stampede? Yeah. Does just what uh, Pathbreaker Ibex does. It's, the only caveat is you need to have a big creature to to kind of start that going. Yeah, Quill Spike. Quill Spike it is. Okay. Next card, Earthcraft, 62 bucks. You don't like combos? You don't like going to combo town? Just cut it. Cut it. Uh, sure, you're going to get some value. Sure, you're going to go infinite with Squirrel Nest. But if you're looking for... If you're looking for cuts because you want to tune this deck and you cut the Earthcraft, then you can just immediately cut the Squirrel Nest. Then you have two spots. Yeah. Also, right? squirrels are so try-hard. You think? I think so, yeah. Ooh. Ooh, squirrel tribal, squirrel... No. Okay, <laughs> no. No, it's not unique. It's not spicy. It's not cool. It's 1-1 one, one creature tokens. You know what I like? The squirrel tokens and all the tokens from the original Unglued. Yes. Yeah, I like cool. those. Yeah, I like those too. That's what I use for goblins in my Zata deck. Next most expensive one, Leyline of the Void. $50, and I would say cut it, but it's not a non-bow, right? It's not a non-bow like Planar Void is where it's like it affects all graveyards, and I want to do stuff with my graveyard, maybe. This is a deck, I, uh, this is a card that I feel you could cut because it's, it's a meta card. If you don't play against a bunch of people who are doing graveyard stuff, you just cut it. Yeah. Didn't you crap one of these out one time? Yes, I did. You sold it for money, then bought food to crap out. Yep. Okay. Uh, feels bad. Sylvan Library, 25 bucks. I feel like there's better ways to draw cards in green. You can What's, play a Momentous Fall. Draw a card can, for each creature you control. That's a thing, isn't you, it? You can play Slate of Ancestry. It's an artifact for five, I think. You tap, sack it. Draw a card for cards. each creature you control. Creature you control, yeah. I'm thinking of Shamanic Revelations. Right, that's a good one. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, even Rishkar's expertise will probably draw you. Like, I mean, if you got your 5-5 your five, five crocodile zombie beast wizard thing, you can draw five cards and then play something. Rishkar's expertise is just good. It's just a good card, right? yeah. Okay. Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth. Same thing as the um, the Bloodstained Mire. I mean, do you need this in a two-color deck? I'm not I, I'm not playing Land Fetchers. I'm not playing Urborg, or I'm not playing Cabal Coffers. You're not playing anything that you can only play with black mana. So I don't, I don't think you even really need this. F it, twenty two bucks in it, my pocket. It's a swamp. You put them all together. Yeah, swamp quilt bike. You put it all together. Two hundred and six bucks we just saved. And if you cut your squirrel nest in addition to your uh, earthcraft, you're also saving another dollar. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly, I'm surprised that card costs a buck. It got a reprint in um, conspiracy, I think. 
So whatever. I mean, two hundred and seven bucks you save. The deck goes down to two hundred and seventy-seven dollars. Still, uh, still a bit. It's but lots, but it's a whole bunch of like fairly new cards that are somewhat pretty attainable. I think the hardest cards to find aren't even the most expensive ones in like the weird corner case stuff from like Lauren Block. Uh, to look through this list, I think I have a good number of these cards in my trade binder. Like, actually, I have most of the, I could trade somebody for most of this deck. Yeah, for sure. And, I don't know, like, if you've been playing recently, just buying packs, there's lots of Amonkhet stuff. Yep. And, I mean, Lorowen and Shadowmoor is a little bit harder stuff to find just because I think everybody hated it. And <laughs> yeah. then once EDH became a thing, it's like, oh, my God, well, it's all, all those good. cards yeah, are so yeah, good, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm sure, like, stuff like Cauldron of Souls and stuff, because it's good in EDH, was, like, in a Commander product. And everything else you could probably find at Flipside Gaming where you can use promo code CCOFU. Hey, look at that plug I got in uh, there. That's not too bad. Oh, okay. That's the deck. Uh, where do you want to go? We've already done Card of the Week. Yes. So let's just go back to it just real quick, just because I love talking about Sashiro the Anointed. We'll give everybody the details, as we are wont to do, as we usually do with Card of the Card Week. Card. And she's we'll kind on. of expensive. Yeah, he's not, uh, he's she, not the he? cheapest. Is it a she or a he? I have no idea what kind of parts that snake has it has parts that it shouldn't have but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is anything that's true it has two legs and four arms snakes are supposed to have zero legs and zero arms and here you got two bows and arrow two bow and arrows at once so cool art which good on you crap three four for six we already talked about that other snakes get big draw cards he is from champions of kamigawa and he costs a little bit he's 650 american or 1900 Canadian. Uh, foils, 17 American, 17,000 Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the, the, the foil multiplier, the commander tax, if you will, is very high on this card. Yeah. Because he's played nowhere else. I'm sure that he's played nowhere else. Where else have you ever seen this card played? Nowhere. Kamigawa Limited? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Nobody played that. Because <laughs> everybody quit magic because the Previous set was Mirrodin. Yep. Everybody okay. got tired of that crap, and they uh, didn't come back for this crap. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if you quit Magic in Mirrodin, and you came back to Kamigawa, and you're like, ah, I'm out of here again. Yeah, I'm, I'm still done. Well, because right after that happened, wasn't like the next set that came out had Jeet in it, so like, there was already that one, like just bad taste in your mouth, that one product that everybody wanted to buy, because Jeet was in that pre-constructed yeah, rat deck. Jeet was in the next set. It wasn't in Champions. It was in, like, Betrayers or whatever. Okay. Just another wipe-you-out card another just kind of comes around. Kick in the face by Watsy, like those full art planeswalkers that you love so much. <laughs> I should find them and buy them for you for Christmas. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate owning them. I would just hate the fact that you paid that kind of money for them. I'd feel, <laughs> I'd feel bad for you. So excellent. Why don't you just take a Domri rod and extend the art for me for Christmas? I could do that. They don't have a foil Domri rod, so there's a thing. Yeah, very much so. Uh, milk list? Everybody loves the milk list. Okay, milk list as per edhrec.com. These are the most popular spells at each converted mana cost in the color pairing combination that we're talking about today. Green, black, or as the kids say... Golgari. Yes. And as the French say... I think they say Golgari. Le Golgari. And the Spanish? El Golgari. <laughs> Speak all the languages here at CCO. Yep. Okay. Zero drop slot. Mana Crypt. Nah. No. That is in the CEDH list. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sol Ring. Yep. 
Secura Tribe Elder. No. Eternal Witness at three. Yep. Yes, for sure. Jared Legagari Leech Lord. No. No. <laughs> Acidic Slime. No. Grave Titan at six. No. Shieldred at seven. No. Big Daddy Butt Sex, Terastodon at eight. No. Huh. In Garrick's Wake at nine. No. Kozilek Butcher of Truth at ten. No. You know, I would like to play one of those gigantic Eldrazi's just so I could put tons of counters on them. <laughs> right? Suck at Ulamog. Yeah, it could be good. Yeah, they, they wouldn't even... Okay, I'm going to put nine counters on this guy, get nine snakes, and he's not even dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to swing in, annihilate you for five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the annihilator trigger on a 1-1. One, one. Um, where were we? Ulamog the Infinite Guy are at 11. Nope. Hit the Betrays. Nope. Emrakul 2. Nope. Emrakul 1. Nope. Draco? No. Draco? Nobody plays Draco in two cut. What the hell is going on? I don't know. He would cost uh, 12. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a swamp and a and a forest. Yeah, yeah. So two milkless matches. Pretty good. It's looking like it's going to be spicy. Let's find out. One tutor. Okay. That's um, what our formula allows for. Yeah, and that is the green sun zenith. I didn't count the evolutionary leap. It's not a, it's not a we, tutor. Not technically. We could very easily fit in like 100 tutors in here. Definitely. Popularity, relatively new. Like she's from um, uh, Amonkhet. Yeah, and she's already got nine, uh, 1,119 lists. She's the third most popular Golgari commander underneath perennial favorites, Marin of Clan Neltoth and the Gitrog monster. Yeah. And she's just above Jared Golgari Leechlord, which is, uh, I think he's a really good deck. He's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, anyways. Average converted mana cost, 2.71. Again, harkens back to that CEDH list. Yep. Yeah, that's really good with um, Dark Tutelage and Dark Confidant from the CEDH list if you want to be spendy spendy. Yes, yes. Critical turn, four. Um, that is kind of the turn that you could combo on if you wanted to do that. If you're playing, Even in this deck, if you're real lucky, you could do that. Realistically, on my kind of how-to-play notes, um, I said turn four is like when you get a value engine online that you can incrementally recur throughout the game. So four, if they can't, disrupt what you're doing it's probably probably a pretty good yeah. critical turn and then optimal game size four i just kept it regular same easy same easy uniqueness rating 38 different cards in our list from the stock list on edhrec.com nice punch it all in beep, boop, 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 boop. 53 excellent yeah we passed the 50 test that's all we need to it's, do it's technically it's 52.86 round up I'm, ra I'm rounding round up 53 so if you're into hapatra Ooh, sounds like I'm trying to do a last thought of the day here. No, it's fine. If you're into Hapatra and you like playing grindy decks that you could tune to whatever end you like, and you don't want to play stacks, maybe this <laughs> Who is doesn't the list for you. Who doesn't want to play stacks, Ryan? Come on. Oh, yeah. You know... Based on how much I like playing stacks now, I think everybody should... No, but, I don't. But you no, don't, don't even like playing it. <laughs> no, you I feel don't. dirty every I time. I feel like I, just, I have a shower in between games. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> That felt like a final thought of the day, um, but give us the real final thought of the day and remind CCO Nation of the MTGOnslaught.com giveaway one more time. MTGOnslaught.com giveaway. Like, follow, share, subscribe to CCO Podcast anywhere on the internet. You help us spread out. We'll be we'll enter you into a little hat. We'll draw a name out of said hat. I guess it could be a big hat depending on how many entries we get. And you will be entered into winning an MTG Onslaught prize pack that includes a playmat holder t-shirt bunch of counters some cool metal dice life counters all those cool stuff to help you pimp your game that is outside of the game Ooh, meta pimp this is the meta pimp giveaway 
Yeah. Ah. If none of that, what I just said makes sense. If you check out the giveaway page on CommanderCookout.com. <laughs> I didn't do that earlier, yeah, so I'm there getting it is. that in. Yeah. Uh, you can check it all out there. All the details will be listed for you. And you have, I believe, two more weeks to get entered into that giveaway before we do the big uh, final show of the arc, which will be in... Uh, two weeks, or are we going to do it on our special October bonus episode? Ooh, well, Ooh. Let, let's do it on the bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, bonus episode. So you got like two and a half more weeks to to get your things. On the note of the bonus episode, if you are a patron of ours, first of all, thank you very much. Second of all, a uh, couple of weeks left if you want to adjust your Patreon support. We are going to be doing an extra episode each month, so if that's a thing for you, you can adjust that way, just making you aware of that. As far as the deck goes, I think Ryan said it about as well as I could possibly do that. This is a deck with a lot of room to expand and grow and tune in different directions. A lot of options can be made. It's a very good deck for teaching yourself to be patient and adjust to that long game, but it also has an explosive ass-kicking potential that I really like. So you can learn a lot playing it, and you can learn a lot about deck building and construction and making every card count just by picking up the list as we've built it. And if you do, and you tune it, or you already play Hepatra, send us your list along. We'll take a look. We'd love to see it. Oh, yeah. And to CCO Brando on Twitter, you could send any extra includes for your next What's in Your Cart article. Which I am working on as soon as I get home today and will continue working on throughout the rest of the week for release soon. Yeah, soon. Next week. Soon. Soon. <laughs> no commitments there, just like to our wives. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Kyla. Well, she doesn't. Maybe she does. Maybe they don't listen to this part of the show. <laughs> Who knows? Who can tell? This is the funny banter at the end, though. So maybe she like, she maybe she like listened sandwiches us. She listens to the start, fast forwards, listens to the end. Then she can give us compliments on the beginning and the end. That's probably what she does. I'll bet you that's what she does. Dang it! And we said we don't commit. Oh, well, we saved it. <laughs> Now we saved it at the end, just like we do at the end of every episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song! Ooh.